You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 36. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, Supermoms. I hope you are doing well and enjoying this beautiful September weather or wherever you are. Hopefully, it's some nice weather. I just got to have a wonderful little getaway with my girlfriend and got all filled up on girlfriend time, 24 hours of straight gabbing. (laughs) It was so nice. So good for the soul. And I just want to take a minute to thank all y'all for sharing this podcast with your friends, for leaving reviews and for telling other people about it. It was the best birthday present I could have asked for. And I just want to tell you, I'm so grateful. I know it takes a it's kind of a pain to go to iTunes and, you know, find the link or you can go on Facebook and tell people to find, you know, Supermom is Getting Tired podcast and tell them that you love it and share it. But when you do it, it just means the world to me. So I thank you for taking time out of your busy days to do that so the more people can benefit from it and hear about it. And today's question, I hope it doesn't apply to you but I won't be surprised if it applies to you. It's about having a grumpy after-school kid. Here's today's question from Kate. Every day after school, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells around my son. He's seven years old and he's in second grade. After school, the littlest thing can lead to a major meltdown. He says he hates school and refuses to talk about his day. His teacher says he's a great kid, learns quickly, follows every rule. When grandparents and friends ask him how he likes school, he shrugs and says, it's okay. With me, however, he claims he hates it. It seems like he's having a hard time coping, and I miss my happy summer guy. How can I help him adjust to the stress of a long day in second grade? Well, Kate, this is a common problem, as I'm sure you might know, that a lot of kids have a hard time, especially in the beginning of the school year, right? Because it's such a transition to go back from summer to going to full day school and just sitting there trying to work so hard. Like it's so much effort for these kids to sit there and listen to the rules and follow directions and pay attention and listen to somebody else tell them. It's a lot. And so it is kind of naturally stressful. And I'm sure there are a lot of parents out there dealing with some grumpy after-school kids. Well, the traditional advice or the parent education answer for a stressed out after-school kid is to start with the basics, food and sleep. So I'll cover this quickly so we can get to the nitty gritty, but bring a healthy snack in the car or offer one as soon as they get home. Going to bed earlier in the evening could work wonders, but don't forget about the beauty of an after-school nap. You know, sometimes we think of this as like something preschoolers do and then they grow out of it, but both my teenagers took naps (laughs) and when they were in high school and if they had time to squeeze it in, like 
it can be for any time for anyone who is just working really hard, you know, to sit in school all day and pay attention. So pay attention to what helps your child recuperate the best. Some kids verbally discharge the stress of the day, blah, 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 talking, talking, singing, making noises, but that does not sound like your boy. Some kids need to physically discharge the energy of, you know, kind of holding it all together at school, but going to a park, jumping on the trampoline, hopping on their bike and running, riding around the neighborhood as soon as they get home, whatever they can to like discharge, even just walking home from school can be helpful. You know, you have a stressful day, you walk home from school with a friend. By the time you get home, you're a little more relaxed and you're kind of ready to, like that acts as the transition. When we drive, we put kids in the car and we drive them home, they still have this kind of pent up energy. And so they need an outlet and a way to discharge it. It can be really difficult for young kids to transition also from the structure of school to the freedom of a home. It's kind of counterintuitive. Like we think as parents, we're like, oh my gosh, of course they're going to be like so happy to be home and they just want to jump on their bikes and be free. But sometimes it's hard for them. They're so used to there being a structure of where they're supposed to go, and what they're supposed to do, that just to walk in the door and have total freedom, they often can melt down at that point. So having a simple structure can ease that transition. If you feel like that's your kid, You can just, everybody comes in, sits at the table, eats a snack, maybe plays a little board game. When my son was little, I would take him into the backyard and we would peel an orange. Like this does not have to be complicated. It can be very simple, but just that simple act of sitting outside for one, I think helps him. And just peeling and eating an orange together gave him just that little bit of transition time to the freedom of home. It also helps, of course, when mom is calm and it's like, you're just like chilling, not really needing to do anything. If you're saying like, oh, we got to go, we got to do this and this, that that could be a little stressful. So, of course, mom's energy can help too. If you've got a cuddler, try having him curl up on your lap, like rock him in a rocking chair. You can sing, you could play music, or you can just be totally silent. Give that a try. The fact that your kid is melting down at home shows you that he feels safe and loved enough to express his negative emotions. Wondering, if you're wondering if zoning out on YouTube or watching video games can count as downtime, well, watch your kid and let's see. So watch how your child reacts after when they come off of the video games. If he seems calm, cool, and collected, then it's probably an okay way for him to transition. If when it's time to put it down or come off the video game, he starts to have a major meltdown, that's your sign. (laughs) That is not a helpful transition. So it's how kids react when screen time ends that you want to look for. So one more thing before we move on to the life coaching answer is kids cannot learn effectively when they're stressed. So this does sound like he's just kind of stressed out. The teacher says he's a good student, he's paying attention, he's following the rules. He's probably just working really hard to do that. So sometimes they can learn at school in this way, but sometimes they can't. And if trying to do homework when he gets home it is leading to lots of meltdowns, I would say prioritize your child's mental and emotional well-being. 
This should always take precedence over homework, especially if he's doing fine academically at school. There's no need for him to come home and do homework. Studies show there's no academic benefits to kids doing homework up until middle school. But parents often think, like, we're so, you know, we want to follow the rules and we want our kids to be, you know, good and have their sticker on the sticker chart. But it is totally within your right and power to modify your child's homework and expectations after school. If they are melting down, if they are, you know, resisting reading 20 minutes every night after school, then don't read. Mamas, you don't realize how much power you have. This is totally within your right. So eliminate homework, modify it until he's better able to cope with the school day and just prioritize how he feels because if he's stressed out, he's going to learn to hate reading and hates homework. He already hates school. So let's just take off that pressure off the homework, okay? So life coaching answer is all about what gets in our way from this, you know, peaceful way of observing our kid, figuring out what's best for him, how he recuperates after school. Well, what gets in our way from being this level-headed place? Our own stress, of course. When our child says, I hate school, the first thing we want to do is to talk them out of it. Like, no, you don't. You don't hate school. You like school. It's not that bad. You know, we want to dismiss and, and deny that this is how he's feeling. It bothers us. We think we're doing something wrong if our child hates school. We want our kid to be positive and optimistic and happy every day, even when he's sitting on hard chairs, listening to a teacher talk inside four walls, dependent on all these other kids to do what they're supposed to do. Rather than dismissing the hatred, we want to allow him to have it. He can feel hatred. It's a human emotion. It's not at the top of the hierarchy, but it's part of just being alive as you got to have negative experiences and you're going to feel negative emotions. We don't want our kids to be happy all the time. That would be kind of creepy. (laughs) We want them to experience the full range of human emotions, even though, of course, it's hard for us to watch, right? But it doesn't mean that anything has gone wrong. So in order for us to stay in this kind of neutral curiosity, we want him to show him it's okay to feel whatever he feels. But we can try to expand our child's emotional vocabulary. So go through the alphabet. And every day after school, try to think of an adjective to describe how school was that begins with a different letter of the alphabet. So like, how was school today? And then you'd have like, okay, today is A, so that's atrocious, you know, and the next day is like beef, boring. Uh, Maybe C could be crazy. Maybe D could be demanding. Like you could kind of have fun with him. Because what's happening is, you know, he wants you to know that he's stressed out and it's it's not fun, okay? So by saying, no, 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 you're fine. School's fine. You you can, you know, it's not that big of a deal. We we dismiss him. We deny that. But what he really wants, sometimes that makes him escalate it even more. Like, you don't understand. School's awful and terrible. And he wants to make it bigger. So by playing this little alphabet game and kind of teaching him some new vocabulary words, new adjectives, you're showing your child that you are listening and you are validating his feelings without taking his drama too seriously, right? You're just kind of 
adding on to it in a way that's a little more lighthearted. So another thing that gets in our way from being a patient, peaceful, playful parent, well, there are child's obnoxious, annoying, explosive, temperamental, and selfish behavior, right? Our kids come home and they are touchy and temperamental. So we get touchy and temperamental too. Emotions are contagious. When they feel stressed, we feel stressed. We want them to change and so that we can feel better. <laughs> but be mindful of what you're making your child's behavior mean. If you're thinking this is terrible and he needs to change right now, then you're going to have an explosive teary afternoon. If you think, I can show him how to relax or we're learning what's best for him, then it can calm you down and keep you from getting pulled into the drama. So you really want to separate so he can have drama, he can feel hatred, he can be stressed and have meltdowns. That doesn't mean I need to join in. One more thing I see parents getting pulled into that might get in their way from being this calm, curious parent is the idea that someone or something at school is causing the stress. Now, of course, do your due diligence. Make sure that your child is physically and emotionally safe at school. But we hate things because of the thoughts we think in our mind. We have negative thinking, and it's this negative thinking that causes us to feel negative emotion. And this negative emotion makes us look externally for some cause of the problem. Like, I feel terrible. Why do I feel so terrible? It can't be me. It must be them. (laughs) It must be somebody outside myself. It must be the teacher. It must be the principal. It must be the other students at school. It's easy to find, you know, if we're looking for where the problem is, we can find it at school. You know why? Because there are so many imperfect teachers teaching imperfect curriculum to imperfect students under the supervision of an imperfect administration. There's a lot of things you could say aren't perfect there. And so we can find reasons, but the problem is when we blame someone or something else for our suffering, then we give away all our power. As a parent, if we think that someone else or something else is causing our child to suffer, we get combative, right? We go, we want to fight for justice. We're going to march down to that school and make sure that everybody's being nice to him. Of course, we can't make everybody be nice to our child as much as that would be lovely. We just can't do it. People are going to be who they're going to be. And, you know, kids are learning how to navigate a social world and they kind of have to be able to make mistakes in order to learn how to be kind. Like that's just part of this, the uh, experience, right? So when we blame somebody else for negative emotions, we feel powerless. We are dependent on the people that we don't even really like that much to make us feel good. Putting our ability to be happy in the hands of others will always make us feel helpless and powerless. So if you and your child are both agreeing that someone or something at school is causing this stress, just know it's never going to 
feel good to you. It's always going to make you feel like the victim, feel powerless, and feel like you can't change it. And so we want to kind of flip that. And I'm not saying that, you know, bad things don't happen at school. We just want to make sure that we are taking equal responsibility for our part and focusing on the things we do have power over. You do have the power to go down to school and talk to the teacher. You have the power to talk to the principal. You have the power to to teach people how to treat your child. It's just they also have the power to ignore you (laughs) or decide something different, right? So accept that school teachers' homework will always be imperfect. Your child gets to decide how he wants to feel about that. How does he want to feel about being in an imperfect school system? If he wants to feel hatred, that's his choice. You get to decide how you want to feel about the fact that your child hates school or, you know, maybe he doesn't hate school. He's just saying that he hates it because he wants you to know how tired he is. And so you still get to decide how you want to feel about the fact that your child's melting down every day or is having a hard time transitioning. You get to take care of your emotions and he gets to decide his emotions. So taking charge of the things you have control over and then accepting everything else is as it should be will give you that peace that you're looking for that gets your mind in the right mindset in order to effectively solve the problem of your child melting down after school or just being kind of grumpy and cranky. Today's Supermom Kryptonite, I call it jumping down the well. When our children are struggling and suffering, sometimes we try to help by jumping down the well with them. It's as though our child has fallen down a well and is sitting at the bottom and calling, Mom, help, I've fallen down a well. I can't handle it anymore. This is terrible. We spring to action and we jump down the well to join them in their misery. Now, both mom and child are sitting at the bottom of a well, grumpy and miserable. You both cry for help. It's dark. It's cold out here. Help. We can't get out. Help us. You think you're helping, but you actually feel worse because you've fallen down the same well. Your child feels better because he isn't alone, but he also believes that he can't solve his own problems and he needs kind of mommy with them. And so sometimes that can feel better. And sometimes it can just keep you both stuck at the bottom of a well. You might have solidarity, but not solutions. And so this is what I'm talking about, like emotionally jumping down the well with your child where he's stressed about school, so you're stressed about his school. He's having a bad day, so you're having a bad day. This is what I called like jumping down the well with your child. And we do it because we're trying to be helpful. We think it helps them of like, okay, now we're both equally upset. But what actually helps your child is this idea of staying above ground, not falling down the well. You can stand right next to the well and look down at your child and you can say, oh, wow, you've fallen down a well. You poor thing. I can see how dark and cold it is down there. I can see how miserable you are. I can see that you don't like being down the well, but you're standing above ground. And from this angle, you have perspective. You can throw him a rope. You can point out some footholds. You can help him like think about shimmying up the well, right? But you can also remind him 
that there's this world outside the well that's totally worth working towards. That if you feel content and calm and you believe in his ability to climb out of the well on his own, then he can start to believe that he can climb out of the well on his own. And if you're content with where you are, soon he'll find his way to you because he'll want to be content. When he does shimmy his way up or climb his way up, it'll be his victory. He gets to be the hero of his story, not you, which is so great. Plus, he also learns this meta skill of how to climb out of a well. So when it happens again, he'll know what to do. Right, so this well is just a metaphor for anything, any time in our life when things don't go the way we want them to go. You know, school's harder than he thought. There's more rules than he thought. Maybe he didn't get the teacher that he wanted. Maybe the kids in there are really disruptive and having a hard time focusing. It's just symbolic for anything. I mean, this he could have a very similar thing, you know, when he goes to sleepaway camp. It might not live up to his expectations. He might fall down a well and say, this is not how I thought it was going to go. This is stressful. I'm not coping well. But he can learn the skill of what do you do when you've fallen down a well? And I think it's nice for kids to know that they, their parents don't necessarily, like, I think it's kind of, I would imagine it's a little unnerving when you're having a bad day and then your mom is like, equally as upset as you are, it kind of takes it away from you a little bit. And I I would imagine for some kids, they wouldn't like knowing that they have the power to completely ruin their mom's day. You know, like they want to have a bad day without it affecting their mom so much that their mom can stand above on the ground (laughs) and throw them a rope, but she doesn't need to jump down the well with them. Today's super mom power boost is to delegate. So sometimes, I think it's our ego that gets in the way, and we moms think that we should be all things to our kids, that we should be able to handle everything. If your child is struggling with the academics of school and taking them off homework is it maybe a viable option for you, like it really brings up a lot of your stuff, (laughs) then maybe you can delegate this job. So let's imagine that homework is the issue. It's not just the stress of school. Like Because in this scenario for Kate's son, she could take him off homework and just eliminate that and just focus on his mental, emotional well-being and what will help him feel rebalanced. But if you've got a kid who's struggling at school and that might be why he's hating school or then just, you know, coming home at the end of the day and having to do homework and feeling like, gosh, he really needs that reading every night and uh, I don't feel comfortable having him not, you know, continue to practice the schoolwork after school, but he's really disliking it, then I'm going to suggest delegating this job. If you feel like you've given it your all and you've done everything you can and you're just so frustrated and it's really hard for you to stay that calm, peaceful parent, then find somebody else. I have had so many friends who have been so successful hiring amazing people. Like they, you could hire an educational consultant, a professional tutor, or you could hire a high school 
student, a college student that your kid just looks up to and wants to please and they really like getting the attention of an older kid. Some kids love that. Maybe you've got grandma or grandpa nearby. Maybe a retired neighbor or someone off Craigslist can be responsible for overseeing your child's homework. Just make sure that your child approves of your choice because their motivation is hugely important, right? We want them to be motivated. So maybe it's just an older sibling. They would rather learn from an older sibling than their mom. Or maybe they can FaceTime their cousin or a friend or their uncle or something and they can work over Skype and do homework together. Like it doesn't have to be you, but there's so many options of other people that you could delegate this just, you know, overseeing of the homework to. And really pay attention, watch and observe and see if your child needs help with the content or does he need help with motivation, paying attention, maybe just like keeping the focus or just he just needs help making it more fun and interesting. That way you figure out what you think your child needs and delegate accordingly so that we're getting, you know, lots of things that will help your child, not just the academics. Today's quote of the day is by Sir Ken Robinson. We have to go from what is essentially an industrial model of education, a manufacturing model, which is based on linearity and conformity and batching people. We have to move to a model that is based more on principles of agriculture. We have to recognize that human flourishing is not a mechanical process. It's an organic process. You cannot predict the outcome of human development. All you can do, like a farmer, is create the conditions under which they will begin to flourish. Isn't that wonderful? So moms, I want you to keep that in mind. You cannot make your kids like school. You cannot make them like homework or be successful. All you can do is create the conditions under which they will begin to flourish. Good luck to you, mamas, if you've got after-school drama. I am with you in solidarity. And if this didn't apply to your exact situation, feel free to send me an email. You can go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and uh, let me know what's going on in your house after school. Take care and thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.